0: everyone. This is Amanda Borchel-Dan. And I'm Jessica Steinberg. Your host for Times Will Tell. A weekly podcast from the Times of Israel.
1: Hello, Times Will Tell listeners. It's Jessica Steinberg. And I'm here this week with Ose Oyamenden, who might correct the way I said his last name, but he might not. A Nigerian-American filmmaker based between Los Angeles, Lagos, and London. He is the director of documentary film Aswat Akhirim, Other Voices. It is about very unlikely friends in Gaza and Steirot, which in many ways is one of the prime war zones of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. There are several protagonists in this story. Obviously it's a documentary, but it also has a very strong storyline. And and those are the Israeli and Palestinian activists who persevere in their friendships and their desire to find a way through the mess of this conflict that is certainly far from over. Um, so Ose is in Israel this week for the premieres of the film in both Jerusalem and Tel Aviv at our local Cinematech theaters. It's also on Amazon Prime, so that's certainly of interest to listeners outside of Israel. And let's just start by... I want to say welcome to you, Osa. Well, thank you for being with us on the Times Will Tell.
2: Thank you, Jessica. Thanks for having me. And thanks for taking your time during the holidays days to do this.
1: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I watched the film in 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 two chunks uh, over the last couple of days. And so it's very fresh in my mind. And what I and I just said this to you before we started recording that one of the things I kept thinking about as I was watching it was I wanted to understand what brought you to this region uh, from from Nigeria, where you're from, and as we said, you live in LA and London as well. But what first brought you to the region and what introduced you to, the story and the protagonist in it. Tell us a little bit about that, please.
2: Yeah, thanks, Jessica. I think it, it's when, when I was growing up, I was a mass of, I'm um, Catholic, so I'm a mass of, uh, so I know about the conflict. I read the Bible and I don't know, but it didn't really hit me until I was, I think, about 10 years old. And I had, you know, where I grew up in the Badon, the area I grew up in, there were like Jewish kids. Uh, they were Lebanese kids, Lebanese Arab kids, and we would play together, sometimes, uh, play soccer together. And we went to uh, to high school when I was 10. They were mostly 11, 12, but I was 10. And the first semester they would get back, they stopped talking to each other. They wouldn't even play together. And I was struck by it, and my mother tried to explain the conflicts to me and that these kids are going getting of age, so they think that. But I didn't understand why something on the other side of the world will affect us here. Uh, and I also started life as a journalist and I think of myself as a writer, you know, some, even when I was from 10 years old, 11, 12. So I think subconsciously, I carried that story with me. And I wrote this short story about two kids who became friends playing football in jerusalem one from east and one from west now i'd never been to uh to israel at that time and i don't even think i thought i would come to israel wasn't on my radar at all and so in 2010 i went to haiti during the earthquake and i ran Mm. into these uh israeli ngos there now i didn't know there were israeli ngos there and they told me the politics of it, why they don't announce.
1: Why they don't make it clear that they're Israeli. I'm just explaining that for listeners. Yeah. Right?
2: I, I think, as they told me, sometimes if they announce themselves as Israeli NGOs, maybe right. some people will pull out just the old politics of it at that time, I think. You know, so that's what they told me. So I was staying in this hotel that was the best hotel in Haiti at that time, I try to say, because we had power for six hours a night. And I wow. think we had power from six to 11, you know, mm-hmm. I think it was five hours actually, six to 11. So that was right. where ABC network guys were, CNN network was. So everybody tried to get their work done then. So they had all this Anderson Cooper, and my they were in that hotel doing their work. And so this right. night was we sitting down there and they came to me and asked if they could use my computer because they've not been able to send messages home. And, you know, I didn't think I was very approachable. So I thought it was very interesting they came to me.
1: That they had the chutzpah. They had the chutzpah to ask you,
2: right? So I said, of course, you know, and while they were looking at it, it was like supposed to be a quick thing, but they were there for like maybe an hour or so. So we started talking and I said, see, I wrote this story, this short story. I've never been to Jerusalem. Can you help me with the geographical accuracy? So they read really, it, I'm forgetting the name of the doctor now, because one of them was a doctor. Then there was Tammy, Tammy Dolgan, she's a nurse. So they read really, it, they said, oh, it's a great story. So what do you want to do with it? I said, well, I want to publish it. I want to try and make a film or a TV series one day about something like this, something I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you know what, it's a great story. But there is another story that is true. Have I heard of Gaza? And I say, yes. I say, have you heard of Sterod?" And I said, no. So well, they are next to each other. And that's where the war is fought for the most part. And right. there are people on both sides that want a return to the old times when they had peace there and they were very friendly. Right. And they had a group called Other Voice also, and Other Voice, and this man, Ethan, who was one of the three people there, is one of them.
1: Ah, oh, he was literally there in your hotel room using your computer. Yeah, ah.
2: so said, so, like okay. Ethan, yeah, and Ethan Taha. So I said, okay. I said, I love this story. I would like to follow it. I would like to see, they said, well, they kind of put this, in the shy, they don't like. I said, can I come? So we communicated by email over uh, a 10, 12 week period. And I said, okay, come. So I came. And I was blown away. How close they were to each other. And they were talking on the phone to some people there. And they, I felt they genuinely cared about people on the other side. And then I met Nathan who had lost his daughter in this, uh, conflict. And he had like no bitterness. It's like, I don't want some other person's daughter to suffer what I've gone through. And so I met a whole swath of people from both sides. You know, right. and I decided, you know, I'd love to tell this story. And that's how we started.
1: So that was, you're saying, right after the earthquake in, in Haiti. So that was 2010, 2011. Yeah. Okay. So 10 years ago.
2: Yeah. Uh, it took us a bit because when I started, it's very tough to get financing for something like this. The first couple of people that we found that wanted to finance it, wanted to influence it. So I did what a poor filmmaker would do. It's like, I have these other jobs that I'll do. So when I have right. enough money, I put enough money together to get a crew to come and shoot. Yeah. Because I wanted to like have my very independent, my own observation. And I also decided that I want to know how true these people are.
1: The activists, the protagonists. Yeah, because
2: it's very easy to want peace until you lose something. So I wanted to see how committed they were, and I also wanted to go to Gaza. So those things make it longer. But, yeah.
1: Right, and to get into Gaza is not easy. That's number one. And uh, even as a foreign journalist or a foreign documentary filmmaker, um, I was also struck by how neutral the film was it really felt like you got the story of the people in Sderot and the people living, the the Israelis, the the Jewish Israelis, and you also really got the story of the Gazans. Um, And this was something that I also kept on coming back to. It felt to me, and this is not surprising really, that it's a relatively small group of activists on both sides.
2: I think i mean when you compare it to the population or even the region where they are it's small right but i also yeah. think uh, one of the reasons why it was fascinating to me is i also felt that a lot of people gets you know lost in the politics of it and yeah. there's this thing that i found not just here all over the world like people on different sides of a story find a way not to talk to each other, not like they just stand there. And my whole thing for me was when you take the politics out of it, it's a very strong human story, like a very strong, tragic human story. And, And that was why I said, we will not talk politics. Even the people in Gaza, when they would talk about Hamas, I would say, we're going to edit those things out. Because Mm. I just felt that the moment you bring politics into it, it just becomes like this fire you can't contain. And of course, there's politics there, but my own passion was to show to people how the kind of life people live there, you know, and how people cope with that life. And for me, why it shouldn't be. Like when you have a child, for instance, and you are, you, you are not sure if you say goodbye to your child in the morning, you see, you hug him in the afternoon again. You know, it's like, a few people don't know that. And when I come into Israel at the airport and they say, where are you going? I say, I'm going to Staron, they say, are you crazy? What are you doing, Sarah? You do so, and I just feel like we had to get the story of these people trying in their own little way to live a normal life in a place like this.
1: Right, right. Now you just said or said that you would, you came to Israel. I am sure many times over the last decade. Uh, obviously, you're here now as well, and you would go straight to Sterot. Is that is that where you would st- was that your base for for filming for working?
2: Yeah, because Terot okay. is where uh, the, this group are mostly in. I mean, they spread out around the region around the kibbutzes there, but they are. Right. Serot was their base, and I didn't want to be one of those people who just helicopter in and just I want to feel it, you know, and. Uh, I, will, I, I felt I wanted to feel the heat of the whole thing and be able to talk about it, not with authority, but with some form of knowledge. And
1: or familiarity. You wanted to be familiar with...
2: And I did get familiar. I busted my knee, actually, <laughs> during one of those raids there. So I got a bit familiar with it.
1: Well, I was going to say, I mean, you must have been caught in rocket in at least a rocket attack we We're going to take two. a quick break from my conversation with Ose Oyamenden, the Nigerian-American filmmaker, whose documentary, Other Voices, is premiering
0: this week in Israel and on Amazon Prime. Hi, podcast listeners, we are excited to let you know about the next TOI at 10 in-person live event. Ahead of the upcoming Israeli elections, round five, come to a live recording of our new limited podcast series, Paralyzed Nation. It's on Wednesday, October 19th in Jerusalem's Train Theater in the Liberty Bell Park at 8pm. You'll hear enlightening analysis from our TOI political experts, including editor David Horovitz. Senior analyst Javier Gurer, political correspondents Tal Schneider and Carrie Keller Lynn, and settlements reporter Jeremy Sharon. You set the agenda and we give you answers. Tickets are 25 shekels each and free for community members. To sign up for the event and submit your questions, go to timesofisrael.com forward slash TUI-10. That's timesofisrael.com forward slash TUI-10.
1: We're back to my conversation with Ose Oyamenden, the Nigerian-American filmmaker whose documentary Other Voices is premiering this week in Israel. So can you talk about that, Uh, about staying on both sides of the fence, so to speak?
2: Yeah, I think it was very interesting because we tried for like a couple of years to get in and I could not. I always felt like I don't have a film without going into Gaza you know. So, and you know, there's many ways to go into Gaza. You have to get the Israeli permit and then you have to get the right. Palestinian permit. Now, I had an option. I could come in through Egypt, which is said was easier, but that is not the world of the story for me. I wanted to go, like, you know, because you could actually walk into Gaza the gate was open, you know. So I wanted to go. It was important for me to go through, yes, to wait and go. So when I went, I had no I- idea that I needed a permit to go into Gaza. I thought I just needed Israeli pass to go into Gaza. So when I got there, they refused me entry, and
1: because you didn't have a Palestinian permit,
2: yeah, right. And they were justifiably angry that uh, I didn't think this was like an enclave, like a country on its own, and and I just tried to explain I didn't know, but I sat there because I was convinced. I had to, com- uh, this was my chance to do this. So I tried to find a connection. They were talking about football and I've realized that a lot of them were Real Madrid fans. Uh-huh. I follow Barcelona. So we just started talking smack to each other. but
1: So you could talk about football, soccer for the American listeners. Okay, yeah.
2: <laughs> so we're talking about uh, soccer, like, So I think we became human. You know, we just became normal people. We could be in Tel Aviv, we could be in Glasgow, anyway. And and then after a while, this man came. I still remember. I I can still see his face. He came, and you know, the strange thing is like they they don't speak good English. I don't speak. I didn't speak any Arabic, but we're able to talk soccer. (laughs) And then this man came, and he said, "I said, you are you Real Madrid too." He said, yeah, I said, you shit too. And everybody just said, what? And then we just, and then he walked away, listened, then he walked away. And then they called me to go and see. So I found that he's the head of the whole place, the whole border thing. And okay. I think he just thought I was either crazy or something. So he told me, they educated me on the way of getting into Gaza. You have to get from this and that. So they prepared the permit and gave it to me, and I went in. So it was, <laughs> yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. And then you actually stayed there. You're saying at a different point or at that time?
2: At that point, I stayed there. For, I stayed in a hotel because I wanted, I was there for, I don't even know if it was five or six days. I was there the first time. Yeah. So I had to see all my subjects, and yeah, it was, it was a bit rich to just, It's a a kind of place I'd never been to, you know, and Mm -hmm. I tell people it's tough to describe Gaza, you know, you know, and I don't want to get into the politics of it, but the human aspect of it, and I thought they were just like you and I, but in a different Mm -hmm. geographic and political uh, situation, and they were kind. People, some people were free because I also tried to go on the streets they were free to talk politics you know. or talk about their relationship right. with Israelis uh, right. they were even people that were subjects of the film they were very bold people to be like saying this de- this
1: that's what I wanted to understand they were they were brave and bold
2: bold to be able to say there has to be another way. You know, and there are people that would say to me, yeah, put my name in, like, this is what I'm saying. But I think... Because I come into this as a journalist. My life started as a journalist, right? And right. you have to protect your subjects sometimes. And there's so much stuff we have on the edit room floor that mm-hmm. are just amazing, amazing revelational stories. But I also know it may not be good for them or their families. So we have to like try that a little bit gently, you know.
1: To protect them in a sense. Did you come up against anyone on either side, whether in Steyrot and the neighboring communities on the Israeli side or on the Gazan side, where people either threatened you or said, I don't agree with what you're doing um. This, you know, this whole idea of other voices is not something that should be supported. I- I'm just wondering if you came up against any opposition at any point, because, again, you worked on this for a long time.
2: Yeah, we could, I mean, I came against a lot of op- opposition, but, you know, I, I try not to look at opposition as opposition. I look at it as people expressing their opinion and, you know, one of the things that we do take for granted in the free parts of the world is the fact that we are able to have an opinion, you know? And it's a great thing. A lot of people died so we can have opinion, that we can speak, that we can vote and do all sorts of things. So I if, people, if you come to me and say, I don't agree with this, and I say, yes, it's fine not to agree with it, but do listen. I mean, watch the film, listen to the other side, and you know, I've I've met people that are so I hate to use the term left or right that are very right, you know, that right, and they watch the film, and you you see like the scales just fall like because they've never understood it like this, they've never Amen. seen that world like this, because that world is a very political world that people find themselves in. Like, like I told you, there, there, a lot of people know steroids, a lot of people know Gaza, yeah. but all they know about that world is the few inches of print they read in the newspaper, or like the one, two minutes until, and that's it. And I wanted mm-hmm. to be able to like show the human side of it. To be able to show people, like, like mentally, I wanted to be able to take people into into that geographical, just put yourself there and see the way it is. And then decide what to decide, you know.
1: Did the protagonists in the film, did they want to be part of your documentary? Did they want this, their work filmed? And I I imagine you've become, you got to know everyone quite well because you filmed them over, you know, a period of time. But how did they feel about it at first?
2: I think there was the novelty thing at first, like this guy from, you know, filming us, like that was that. A lot of people, I I would say a lot of the people we talked to wanted to, they wanted to tell their story. I didn't know, mm-hmm. and I think they did not know how much of their stories they were going to tell. Uh, because right. some of these people have also granted news interviews. So, And they're not like people that are looking to like, tell stories like that. So they didn't right. really know what it is. And because we did it for a long time, so we're mm-hmm. able to like, just take a time, get all these people, and then decide who the sto- what is the story. You know, and yeah, I, I don't think I think there were a few people that were a little bit shy about it. Uh, in Gaza, there were people that I would have loved to talk to, or, mm. or I did talk to, and I felt it may not be too safe some of the things they said, so we just lose those storylines. So right, yeah, and then I had a character that. I met very late Rami, a man, like, Mm -hmm. and I had to make a decision because at at the point I met him, we were eight years since I first went there and five years since we've been shooting. Because I think we really shot from 2013 to 2018 for the most part. So I had to decide, how do I include this person? And knowing me, that means two, three more years. And I just felt, yeah, let's wrap it up. But I wanted to have him in it. then, And it was in it. He organized a bike rally. And then... Ah, yes. And then the exchange of the piano at the end. And in my head, Mm -hmm. it was just like the next wave, the next step, because, yeah.
1: So heading towards the end of this chat that we're having, what happens next with this now? I mean, on one hand you finished the film, you're showing the film, Amazon Prime. Um, I imagine you're working on something else already. Is this the end of the story for you? Or did working on it bring up other storylines here in this region that you think about?
2: I'm actually going back to what I came to do originally, like developing a TV series about two kids that brought a town to Jerusalem. I, I, I just like this. Mm. There's something about Jerusalem that, I, I mean, I find, I mean, it's, a, it's such a rich place. It's such, it's so rich, it's so historical, and it's everything is there. And I like the little divide. So I'm working on this TV series. I'm developing this TV series about two kids who brought Jerusalem together for one day with soccer. I like, yeah. the, I like right. the I like the I like the innocence of kids. I like the global nature of soccer, and I think it's another avenue to say, I mean, just take a look at what could be,
1: at the possibilities. Okay, so you're saying that. We're gonna be here together talking about your TV series in a couple of years.
2: Knock on wood. We should find people <laughs> that will support, produce, yeah. But I think I think it's an amazing for me, it's become a really great, cool story over the years because now I know Jerusalem. Now I'm able to drive around, now I'm able to see those little nuances there. And then I'm able to bring this my love of soccer. And these sports I found as a child and that is global and bring it here and just see how it brings the town. Like the whole politics, the whole drama is around it. But just for one day, for 90 minutes, everybody comes together and say this, we all, this is ours. And, you know, yeah.
1: Okay. So Ose Oyamendan, we look forward to talking to you when that, tv series comes out but in the meantime enjoy your premiere of other voices here in israel in jerusalem and tel aviv i imagine your protagonists have seen the film already uh in steroid and gaza a long time ago right and um we and uh, and uh, as you said it's on amazon prime and we look forward to uh speaking with you again and seeing what else you're, you'll be working on so thank you very much for being on times will tell
2: Thank you so, so much, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Times Will Tell from the Times of Israel. And thanks to our producer, Gilad Brownstein.
1: Please subscribe wherever you find your podcast, and check out our daily briefing news show every
0: Sunday through Thursday. Like what you hear? Consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to spread the word. Until next week. Shalom.